So today, uh, tonight, I'm going to be preaching um, on a, a difficult topic with the anniversary of, of Roe v. Wade coming this week. So um, I don't think there's anything that's, uh, I, I don't know, hard, hard to hear. But if you do have younger children and, and you would like to take them out, then uh, you're welcome to do that as we kind of pause and pray as we, as we normally do. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord, we just give you praise and glory and honor. We give you permission, Lord, to do what you desire to do. <clears throat> Pray, Lord, that you would make our minds and hearts and souls a fertile soil of the gospel, that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Lord, illuminate the scriptures, these mysteries for us. Reveal to us the face of Christ. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And convict and console our hearts. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. <clears throat> so there, there are a million things that we could say. Um, and tonight what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to give a philosophical or a scientific or a theological argument for, um, for the pro-life position. And all of that is very important for us to know. It's very important for us to understand those things and, and to have, again, a scientific, a philosophical, a theological understanding of why we believe what we believe about the human person. Um, but what I really want to speak about is that in like real life situations, what, what, does our, what does our approach need to be? Where do we need to be like in, in real life situations, particularly when a crisis pregnancy comes about? And so again, just to, to just kind of say a couple of little things before that, that yes, like, again, I'm not giving the scientific arguments in those, but, but the science is clear is that um, at conception, it's, it's a child. You know, it's, it's a new life, separate organism in, in the womb of the mother. And for the past 46 years, it's been legal in the U.S., and there have been, as we know of, 61 million uh, abortions. It's a pretty staggering number. And the first thing that I want to say, particularly anyone here who maybe has had an abortion or knows someone who has or has participated in, is the Lord loves you. Like the Lord loves you. And there's not, not that sin or any sin that can ever, ever change that. Sin is real. Consequences of sin are real, like the gravity, like all those things are real. But none of that changes God's heart. And the truth of who the Lord is, is, is on the cross. Where St. Paul says, and he died for us, right? While we were sinners, the Lord died for us. So the number one thing, I mean, if you hear, if you hear nothing else that I say, it's just that God's mercy is, is free and the Lord wants to pour it forth. And so if you um, have experienced this, been touched by it in any way, the Lord wants to heal your heart. And there are lots of folks who want to walk with you through that. 
The other thing is, again, brothers and sisters, as a church and as individual people, we need to do a much better job of walking with women, of walking with men who end up in a crisis pregnancy situation. Now, hopefully, right, Praise the Lord, like that happens less and less and less. And we grow in a culture of chastity and, and these, things, these things don't happen, but like they do happen. And, and then what happens when we're there? I want to, to kind of step back a little bit and try to get a little bit of perspective of someone who's in that space. So this was an article a number of years back. And the, the, the name of the article is Abortion Failure to Communicate, right? What are we communicating? It says, unplanned motherhood, according to the study, represents a threat so great to modern women, and you could say men as well, and even their family members, that is perceived as equivalent to a death of self. That while the woman rationally understands that this is not her own literal death, her emotional subconscious reaction to carrying the child to term is that her life will be over. This is simply, again, because many young women, and again, you could, you could put anybody in there today, have developed a self-identity that at that moment, right, does not include being a mother. It may include going to college, getting a degree, obtaining a job, getting married someday, but the sudden intrusion of motherhood is perceived as a complete loss of control over their present and future selves. It shatters their sense of who they are and will become, and thereby it paralyzes their ability to think more rationally and realistically. If you've ever been in a traumatic or crisis situation, then you know, right? Like rational thinking many times goes out of the window. It goes out of the window. Think of when you were younger. Like this is, you know, this is a, uh, a very trite comparison in a sense. But like you're younger, you're in junior high, Something happens, you like wear the young, wrong shoes to school and you go home and you're like, I'm never going back there again. Like we need to change schools, we need to move to another state. I mean, so like multiply this exponentially. Exponentially. And this is what happens, right? Reason goes out the window and, and we, begin, we get into this like fight or flight situation. And so in this thinking, of particularly for women who end up in a crisis pregnancy situation. But again, it could be the father of the child. It could be the, the mom or dad of the woman or whomever, right? It's just like, oh my gosh, everything is over. And believe me, I've, I've, I've spoken to and walked with people who are adamantly pro-life and then all of a sudden find themselves in this situation and like, oh my gosh. Like there's, I got no other choice is, is what it feels like. With this shock, with the trauma, the grief, they feel like there's no good decision. Like the women in the study said, there, there's no good decision. And sometimes they feel like, well, the, the best of all the bad decisions is, is to abort the child because like none of the other ones, I can't see past anything in front of me. And so if we want to be able to, to, to write, help this whoever, the woman, the father, whoever, to like, hey, to, to carry the child to term, to walk with him through the process, then what we need to do is, is what, um, what I call stand in the gap. We have to be able to stand in the gap. And because and sometimes we think, we think, hey, look, if I just tell him the truth, like it's pretty simple, right? Like there's a baby, abortion is taking the life of the baby, don't do it. Then like, okay, that makes sense to me. But again, when you're, when you're in a traumatic situation, and you literally feel like your life is over, like 
that's not helpful most of the time. It's not a helpful thing. And then we don't want to go to the, the other uh, extreme as well to try like, okay, hey, I don't, I don't want to say anything. I just, I don't want to harm a relationship and I'm just going to go along. So what do we do? And it's this space of standing in the gap. And I take this phrase from a social worker who's working at a crisis pregnancy center, so like a pro-life clinic. And um, she says this. This is a quote from her. She says, there is a gap between our encounter with the person and then lovingly telling them the truth. And the problem, the problem is, is that we don't want to stand in the gap. We have this, this either fear of going there at all or this urgency like, hey, that's bad. Don't do it. Come on. But there's really a space that we need to walk with people where they are. And so she tells this, she told me this a number of different stories, but one in particular stuck out to me. You know, if you've gone to the Women's New Life Clinic, it is next door to the abortion clinic here in Baton Rouge. And there's a woman who walked in thinking she was going into the abortion clinic, but ended up in the Women's New Life Center. And so she's in there and she's like, oh, I think I'm in the wrong place. And the social worker's like, hey, it's okay, just, like, just sit down. What's, tell me what's going on. And she's like, I got pregnant, like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, a, it's a bad relationship. Like, this guy is, like, not a good guy. I made a really dumb decision. I, 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 you know, I really don't have any support financially from my parents in any way. I'm in school. Like, I, like the, my, my life is ruined. Like, I have no clue what to do. I don't want to do this, but I literally have no other choice. And she's like, I you know, just processing all these things and all these things and every reason of why um, she can't do this and, and it's hard for her and that it's impossible, They're, the baby would have no life, all these things. So the, the social worker is just listening to her. Just listening to her. And then she begins to say, hey, like, seems like you're in a really tough situation. And it seems like, it feels like there's no hope. And there's, there's no good choice. So she begins to talk and kind of be there and present with her and walks with her um, and just lets the woman speak all these things out. And she's like, I hate saying this and all these different things that she's saying. And at the end of the conversation, uh, the woman says, okay, well, I, I, I'm going to leave. And the social worker was pretty darn convinced that this woman was going to have an abortion. You know, she never encouraged that whatsoever, right? But she's just loving this woman, offering whatever resources they have, all these different things, offering the support that was there, but giving space for her, for this woman just to express what was going on. So she leaves, and what, what they do at the clinic is they always call the, the women or the men who come by, they always a follow-up call. Hey, how are you doing? So she calls this woman, no answer. Week later, she calls again. No answer. Another week or two goes by, she calls again, and the lady finally answers the phone. And she says, hey, it's such and such from the Women's Life Center. I don't know if you remember, we, we, we chatted uh, not long ago. I just, I wanted to see how you were doing. And the woman said, oh, I'm doing great, actually. I just got back from the doctor, and the baby is such and such weeks, pray, you know, like along, and she's doing great, and all these things. And the social worker is like, on the phone, like, what's going on? She's like, oh, you, you, you decided to keep the baby. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I just got in my car after I talked to you. And I just thought to myself, like, I know this is, this is crazy. Like, my situation is crazy. 
but I, I can't do this. And you gave me hope because you listened to me. And you let me say all the reasons why I thought it was a good idea to have the abortion and all the things. And you let me cry and you let me talk about all the things. And, and you didn't judge me. You didn't point a finger at me. You just gave me space. And then, then you provided help. And yet, so I knew that I wasn't alone in the midst of this. You were just there for me. And I knew, like, I just I can't do this. Brothers and sisters, this is the disposition that we need to take. We need to be able to be able to walk with people, whether it's a, it's a crisis pregnancy situation or whatever it is, then in the difficulty thing, not jump to like, hey, here's the answer, never to encourage a sin in, in any way or, or those things, but to be able to like allow someone to process what's going on. And if we don't have the resources, to try to connect them to other people who do have the resources and to, to not be afraid to offer our lives to, to walk with folks in difficult situations so that the Lord can move powerfully. Powerfully. Can we, could, we could talk about so many different things about this topic and that are really, really important. And I went through it. Like I had a much longer homily and I cut a lot of it out because I just really think it's really important that when the rubber hits the road, we all have people in our life that this has either already happened to, is happening to right now, or will happen next week. And if, and if we really want to love them, if we really want to help them, if we really want to be people who are living a culture of life, then this is one of the things we have to get right. To be able to stand in that gap. Lovingly speaking the truth, but before that, of, of just honoring and loving and listening to where the person is. So I want us to pray for that grace. And I want us to pray that when you're in it, because if it happens to you, like you're going to freak out and all the things, and maybe you're going to need someone to talk to you, to stand in the gap with you for the person that you're standing in the gap with. Like, that's real. And know that there's so much support. And I just want to say again that if you have had an abortion or are participating in one in some way or know someone, like, there, there are so many people who want to walk with you to deep healing. Like, you can't can't change a reality that has happened, but their deep healing, the Lord can just, forgiveness and mercy that, is, that really is unimaginable. Really is unimaginable. And there are folks through uh, entering Canaan or Rachel's Vineyard or whatever, um, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So I just want to let you know that the Lord loves you. And his love for you will never, ever, ever, ever change. And that the Lord is inviting us to be people who stand in the gap and speak the truth of mercy and love and speak even difficult truths in love after we have loved folks. So as we celebrate this Eucharist, let us pray that as we receive the Holy Eucharist that Jesus will give us his heart for his people. And that we will not be afraid to walk with people and to stand in the gap that the Lord's life might be renewed, reborn, and strengthened in all of us.